RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 394 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. The last weekly report for the year of 2018. Recorded live on Tuesday, December 18th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 21st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kenna. It's the last show of the year. What do we've got in store? Well, this week's Star Trek Discovery is ramping up the excitement with only weeks to go until the Season 2 premiere. We're checking out the new trailer and another couple behind-the-scenes short spots and what they could mean for the new season. Oh yeah, and there's a new William Shatner Christmas album out, so uh, there's that. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we'll tell what Winter Wonderland items you should grab before the event ends. Then we welcome Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, as we reflect on 2018 and look ahead to 2019. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we've had a phenomenal year here at Priority One Podcast, and I'll go into more detail about that next week for our blooper episode. Much of this year's successes are because of our patrons. Those of you who believe in the production of Priority One Podcast so much so that you offer a financial contribution from month to month. For that, we are so very grateful. As we look ahead to 2019, we have a lot in store. So, as always, we ask that you consider visiting us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Your financial contributions help us cover things like conventions, upgrades, and generally just keeping the lights on here from week to week. Without your support, we would not be able to continue to produce this show. Now, of course, we understand that a financial contribution may not be in the cards. It is, after all, the holiday season. But there are other ways that you can help support Priority One. For instance, anytime you see a post from us, be sure to share it with your friends. Remind them that they can get their weekly dose of Star Trek news right here on Priority One. Now, Captains, before we go, we have a few dates that you'll want to mark on your calendars. First up, January 17th, you can join Geek Life Rules and Priority One Podcast for a Discovery Season 2 premiere in New York City. This is a free event that allows us to get together and geek out over Star Trek. We'll have trivia, raffles, and of course, we'll all get to watch the premiere together. 
Again, attendance is free, and it's being held at McHale's Bar and Grill on West 51st Street in Manhattan. Elijah and Anthony will both be there. Join in on the fun. And another big date is February 16th, because that's the weekend that we're celebrating our 400th episode. Now, we have a lot in store already, including celebrating it at Cryptic Studios with interviews from devs from all the departments that bring Star Trek Online together. But the important date you have to remember is Saturday, February 16th, because on that day, we're doing a 12-hour live stream marathon for Extra Life. That's right. For 12 hours, the Priority One team will be playing games like Star Trek Online, Bridge Crew, we might even do a an RPG, tabletop RPG led by Anthony, live on Twitch.tv in order to raise money for Extra Life's partnership with Children's Miracle Hospital Network and the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. We'll have giveaways that we'll be giving out every hour, every half hour to help incentivize you to come on in and consider contributing to this campaign. And again, all proceeds go to Extra Life and the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. Now, this is happening Saturday, February 16th, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and running until 1 a.m. Eastern Time. So we're turning to you to help spread the word, get people to visit us and join in on the fun, play the games with us, and please consider a contribution. Our goal, at least, is to raise $1,000, at the very least. But I know that with your help, we can blow that out of the water. Now, links to both the events, the Star Trek Discovery premiere and our Extra Life 12-hour-a-thon will be in the show notes. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. With the premiere of Star Trek Discovery's second season less than a month away, CBS wants to make sure everyone knows it's coming. This week, we were treated to several sneak peeks of Star Trek's upcoming offering, the first being the newest Season 2 trailer. The trailer opens with the Discovery, flying through what look like clouds. A bearded Spock warns of intergalactic catastrophe, all while going full Benny Russell on the floor in his small cell. We see Laurel and Valk, or Tyler, in a slow-motion showdown with a couple of Klingons, some of which have hair. Then a concerned Burnham proclaims, We're really on the other side of the looking glass now, aren't we? The tempo increases, and we are reminded by Captain Pike that there are seven red bursts and a red angel. Spock says the angel showed him an apocalyptic vision, and Pike watches as frightened denizens run from a winged red creature. Spock ups the drama, telling Admiral Cornwell, Someone or something is going to end all sentient life in the galaxy. Georgiou makes an appearance, and we learn that Section 31 considers the Red Angel dangerous. It's Section 31's position that the Red Angel should be considered dangerous. A smoky mist creature smokily smokes in front of a restrained Kelpian. Could it be Saru? There is talk of sentry ships, shots of cool costumes and strange tech, and Spock and Burnham bicker. I risked everything to help you. You assume every burden is yours alone. Explosions, running, dramatic poses, inspirational quotes, a little comedy, and a roundhouse kick that would make Chuck Norris blush lead us to the end of the trailer, where Spock is welcome aboard the Discovery by acting Captain Pike. Captain, we are riding into danger. Is that a smile I see on your face? Yes. Welcome to Discovery. Check out the link, of course, in our show notes. 
and we'll also be adding the season two promo art because it's also worth a look. Okay, so this actually got me super, super excited. Be and and I say that not lightly because I, I dig Discovery. I like it as a show. Very few things about it have actually got me excited. This is the first time I've seen anything for season two that made it look like maybe it was going to be a little bit more multi-dimensional than we have been led to believe so far. Because so far it's been very sort of monolithic. We're going to see one story across 13 or 14 episodes. I'm not that huge of a fan of the big giant story arc. This is the first piece of promotional material that we've seen that gives it a lot more stuff going on. There's little subplots, there's a little bit of humor, there's lots of different sets. That to me was a big a big win and a tick in the right box. So yes, I am also super excited uh, based on this trailer. I started watching the trailer and I and I was like, oh, oh, there's this, and and then there's this, and then there's this, and then Spock shows up and I'll be honest with you, like, based on just this trailer, I know that the show, the season two might be different and I might feel differently, you know, when I see Spock scenes in context. But man, Ethan Peck as Spock kind of kills it for me. I'm just not <gasps> feeling it. I'm just Shut not Shut your dirty it. mouth. I'm sorry. I'm He's just, wonderful. I really, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, I'm not I'm looking there. forward to it. I'm not there. I, I honestly, I'm not liking what I'm seeing as him as Spock. But again, I did not like the very first Discovery trailer that came out mm-hmm. for season one, and I ended up loving season one. Uh, this show is quickly becoming one of my top three, if not top two, Star Trek shows. So I can see why you're a, a little apprehensive about Ethan Peck. He, he doesn't necessarily look like Spock when they had cast someone with such similar features in Zachary Quinto, right? There was an obvious physicality to him and, and facial features that they you know landed pretty well with Zachary Quinto. Now, I'm not very fond of Zachary Quinto's portrayal of Spock, even though he looks more closely like Leonard Nimoy. So I can sort of see your apprehensions. Even though Ethan Peck may not look like Spock necessarily, I think that we're going to see a more, a more familiar Spock that we're used to from the original series. The other thing I want to mention about this trailer is that even though the trailer is really supposed to be cuts of the big explosions, that's great. What I did get the sense from this trailer was cohesion. There's a main story here. We're not, there's no question about who's the story about, what's happening, right? Whereas before, you know, we had these, these, we're going to have a a prequel, a a pre-chapter, a prelude, and then we're going into the season. I'm feeling that there's more cohesion with the way this season is being produced. I feel like there is in fact a line and an arc happening with one story, or at least one main story arc, which is this Red Angel situation and how this affects Spock, and then trickling off to Saru's story and and Michael Burnham, et cetera, et cetera. Can I get serious for a second? Because one thing that they pluck out, which is a major sort of spoiler or a clear indication of where the direction is going to go for season two, is Spock saying that someone or something is going to end all sentient life in the galaxy. That's the one thing I'm going to give it a pass because the rest of the trailer excited me. This is one of my hugest pet peeves in all of science fiction. Every single time, the plot must be bigger and more threatening and more all-encompassing than the last time. So the last time, the Klingons were going to destroy the whole Federation. So we saved the whole Federation. So this time, the Red Angel is going to end all sentient life in the galaxy. So where do we have to go? Season three, it's going to be the whole universe and the mirror universe 
and the Kelvin timeline and season four is going to go like this, this sort of like self one-upmanship is a real poor writing. I think that it's a sci-fi trope and I am disappointed. It's fine. It will be fine. I was disappointed that that's the direction that they chose to take it. Now, what if it's the Iconians though? The Iconian story arc, if I'm not mistaken, is one of your favorites. In Star Trek Online, yep. right? So what if, because we know, we know from tweets from folks like Aura Vera and whatnot, that they are in fact working together somehow. It isn't the actual plot that has the, the problem. It's the writing mechanism that in order to make this season a move on from last season, it must be bigger. Now, I think the idea of an Iconian storyline is great. We can have that, and we can have that sense of threat and doom and all of that without Spock having to go, oh no, everything in the galaxy is that... It's like, you don't have to do that grandstanding one-upmanship. The only people who have done that successfully, almost, is Marvel. And I don't know where Marvel's going to go with the Avengers after because of that very problem. I just want to say that, going back to what you said earlier about Ethan Peck, it's not what he looks like. It's his delivering of the lines. He's not as rigid and Spock-like as I feel like everyone else is. The other thing is that I completely agree with you, Kenna. I hate the trope of having to make it bigger and badder and more epic and raise the stakes. I think Marvel does something that's different in that they have an ebb and a flow. Like, they release movies that have epic stakes, but then they'll release solo movies with heroes that are more contained. Ant-Man is a perfect example. That movie takes place in just San Francisco, and it takes place within itself. It doesn't bleed over into anything else. And I'm not sure if their relationship with the Stowe team came about... I'm pretty sure that came about after they already started production on season two. So I highly doubt that any story crossover will bleed through. I will say that there's one shot of Georgiou beaming in with what definitely looks like an STO engineering drone next to her firing because I thought that was the coolest thing and looked, I mean, it looked exactly like one of the drones from Stowe. I couldn't believe it. And the other thing is that if it's the Iconians, all is forgiven. If they really do that, if they really bring the Iconians in, I don't care what else they do. I will bow before Alex Kurtzman. So I want to address, I want to rebuttal. And actually, Ken, I'm really surprised that you're not the one saying this. But I want to remind you guys that it's a trailer. There's supposed to be heightened peril. And the trailer, I really don't think is geared necessarily towards us. The Star Trek fans. This trailer is designed to pull in the non-Trekkies, the people who might be on the fence of subscribing to something like CBS All Access, people who have been hearing us talk about Discovery and, and going, hmm, maybe I'll get, finally give this a shot and binge season one and do season two, right? This is a Marvel cinematic trailer level of peril. To then also, to the point of Ethan Peck, I would argue that we really don't know much about Spock prior to TOS. And again, by comparison to the cage, I'm sorry, the menagerie, Spock was smiling. Spock was still not a, an established character. He was emotional. Anthony, you've pointed this out before. You know, he's admiring these leaves, these, these singing leaves and smiling at them. Clearly, if they're going with canonical Spock in the pilot, then prior to being first officer on the Enterprise, he's an emotional mess and he's not really truly Vulcan. At least not like post-Colinar. I would leave it at that. But we've got another trailer to go into. Anthony, why don't you tell us about that? 
As Elijah said, the Season 2 trailer wasn't the only new look that the Star Trek Discovery team delivered. We were also treated to a What to Expect in Season 2 featurette. The behind-the-scenes promo sported interviews with producers and cast, and gave some possible insight into what may be in store for Season 2. There seems to be a focus on upping the visual presentation of Season 2, showrunner Alex Kurtzman said. We have made lots and lots of choices in Season 2 to shift to a much more cinematic look. At the same time, we have done everything we can to protect what is small and intimate, which is the relationships between the characters. Executive producer Heather Caden echoed Kurtzman, saying... Season 2 had to look as good as any version of Star Trek that had come before it. But it isn't only about visuals or special effects. Executive producer Olatunde Usunsanmi teased some of Spock's story, saying, This iteration of Spock is going through things that we never knew Spock went through. Finally, Anson Mount talks about Pike, saying, Speaking as a fan, we've always wanted to know more about Pike. It's such a mysterious history. We admit, there ain't much meat to these hashtag Trek nuggets, but it is good to see Star Trek. It is also good to see the behind the scenes shots, and there may be something to glean from them, so be sure to check it out. What I found really interesting is there's a shot in this featurette that has what appears to be Burnham and Saru on Kaminar wearing uh, Kelpian clothes, and we've seen from other shots in, in, in the other promotional materials that we're possibly going back to Kaminar and even revisiting Saru's sister. This is really cool. And I think what he said about the relationships, you know, we, we see all this stuff about the, the galaxy is in peril and all this stuff, but I think that there's going to be some of those personal relationships in there. And I just hope that they find the balance between those two sort of plot engines. So when I actually also found interesting from the trailer was that there seems to be an indication that we're going to deviate a little bit from the serialized and possibly have a few episodic episodes, much like last season's Harry Mudd episodes. But from the brightest star, right, um, I did listen to your on-screen review of it. There is a moment in the trailer where Saru is pinned up and there's this that smoky figure, that sludgy black figure that reminds me a lot of the alien that killed Tasha Yar, by the way. Could the Ba'ul be that same alien species? You never know. But I wouldn't be surprised if, yes, there's going to be some sort of episodic deviance to tell a story about Kaminar and perhaps maybe Saru goes a little wonkers and he wants to try to pull his species out from the shadows, so to speak, you know, and out of the cave and into the light. But yes, that's a good point. We're, we're obviously going back to Kaminar, it would seem. Well, if you thought that was the last promo, then you should think again. CBS also released a one-minute, 14-second promo on their Star Trek Discovery Facebook page titled, Reporting for Duty, Sonequa Martin-Green. Martin Green told the Facebook fans, quote, Season 1 was such a whirlwind and we gained so much experiential knowledge, so we had all that coming into it, and we knew that we were more firmly planted on the ground. We had such a better understanding of who we are, what we're doing, where we live, and so we were just over the moon about coming back, end quote. But what she said to the interviewer wasn't the most interesting piece of content. In the behind-the-scenes portion of the segment, Martin Green is shown on the director's screen delivering the line, quote, Scans show 203 members aboard, end quote. 
If, as the video indicates, Burnham is talking about the crew complement of the USS Enterprise, it's worth noting that the disco team is sticking to canon. In the original Star Trek pilot The Cage and later The Menagerie, Captain Pike, yep, that Captain Pike, tells Dr. Boyce, I'm tired of being responsible for 203 lives. I'm tired of deciding which mission is too risky and which isn't, and who's going on the landing party and who doesn't, and who lives and who dies. Also, during a clip of Sonequa chumming with Discovery executive producer Olatunde Osinsanmi, there is a clear display of the USS Enterprise layout in the background. There are dimensions and measurements which are on par with the Jeffrey sketches for the original Enterprise. And Captain Robert April is once again seen as the Enterprise's first captain. Check out the video and let us know if you spot any other Easter eggs. First thing I want to mention is, okay, you have a month to read David Mack's Star Trek Discovery Desperate Hours. Why? Because in that story, we see the Enterprise collaborate with the Shenzo and Captain Georgiou. So it's Pike and Georgiou. It's the first time in a long time that Spock and Burnham have to work together after like not seeing each other since the whole Academy debacle and whatnot. Even if it's just for that small hint, the way we got towards the end of last season, it's worth reading Desperate Hours. I think it's going to help set up the relationship between Spock and Burnham for you. The audiobook is available on, on Audible. We don't get a kickback from that. Go find it on Audible or just download the book and, and, and read it over, over the holidays. Strongly recommend it because it's not the first time that the Enterprise comes in to work with the hero ship, even though the Enterprise is a hero ship. Second of all, one of the biggest takeaways for me of this interview with Sonequa Martin-Green was her choice in wording. She is a classy lady and she is very careful with how she speaks to fans and how she speaks about Star Trek. Anytime you see her in an interview, anytime you see her on stage, live, talking about her experiences on Star Trek, she is a wordsmith and real diplomat. She chooses her words wisely. And for her to say that season one was a whirlwind, that they gained experiential knowledge, and that season two is more firmly planted, leads me i don't think she's talking about character i don't think she's necessary i don't think she's necessarily talking about character i think she's giving she's kind of saying yeah season one was a little messy season one was a little scattered we went through changes we went through administrative changes creative changes and it reflected in season one now as she says we are more firmly planted that's great i'm re I, i'm really excited about that yeah, I think you're right, and I, I really appreciate her being part of the Star Trek family. And you can tell that the cast and the crew love this franchise, and I think that that really shows in the way they talk about it, the way they handle fans and talk with fans, and also what comes through on the show. And I think that deep down they have the heart of Star Trek fans within them. I also wanted to mention... One thing that bothers me about this little uh, video is that they compare, you know, there's been a lot of online comparisons to Spock's quarters from the original series and uh, Spock's quarters in, in this video. And it occurred to me that Spock is not the first officer of the Enterprise at this point. I'm going to get really nerdy here. I'm going to get super geeky here, okay? Do it. Spock is, <laughs> Spock is not the first officer of the Enterprise at, at, during this time. 
He's not even on the Enterprise, from what we can tell. No, he's on leave from the Enterprise, but he is assigned to the Enterprise, so he has quarters. That's fine. And they're comparing his quarters from when he's first officer of the Enterprise, namely in a mock time. Uh, because we get a good shot of his of his quarters, and there's a lot of similarities. Number one, or if you read the novels, her name is Una, is the first officer of the Enterprise. Who was Majel's original role. And who is going to be in Discovery Season 2, confirmed. Absolutely. Right. The character, yeah. not Major Barrett. Correct. And so it seems to me that the first officer would probably have their own quarters that are that are not like normal quarters. And so to compare their quarters, it's a little more complicated than just like, oh, this looks like this. This isn't like this. And this is like this. So stop complaining about the quarters if you are, because they should be different quarters anyway. Now it is the holiday season, and that can only mean one thing. A William Shatner Christmas album. <laughs> That's right, Captains. Shatner Claus, a Christmas album, is now available and has the 87-year-old Canadian teaming with Henry Rollins, Brad Paisley, Todd Rudgren, and Artemis Pyle, among several others, to deliver, quote, classics not done in a particularly classic way, end quote. All right, so I listened to some of this album, and this is garbage. It's Picard's fault. Kirk never should have left the Nexus, should have kept him in there. This Everything's gone to hell in a handbasket since Picard pulled Kirk out of the Nexus. There's been these garbage Shatner novels for Star Trek. He's been cranky and grumpy. He did a documentary about the captains where all he did was showcase his own freaking talents. It Just Picard, at some point in the new Picard series, he needs to go back in time and just shove Shat, sh- Shatner, sh- shove Kirk back into the Nexus. Terrible. Terrible. We'll leave it at that. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. With this being our last show of the year and news being pretty thin around the holidays, we wanted to give you some tips on what items you should probably grab from Q's Winter Wonderland before the event ends on January 17th. Previously, we gave you tips on the Winter Wonderland events and what items we recommend for those. This list is for gear you might want outside of the Winter Wonderland as you're roaming the galaxy, playing through the main story missions, and eventually experiencing end-game content. The first item on the list are the Frosted Boots. These slippery slippers do give you a run speed boost. However, they also give you a reduction to your traction. These will help you get through some of the larger ground missions a little bit faster, namely the Dyson Ground Battle Zone. Getting around that map quickly can be a big help. These are a must-have, especially if you're not a tactical captain with access to the motion accelerator power. Other ground equipment you may want to take a look at are the nanopulse melee weapons. The best use of melee weapons is to deal physical damage and bypass shields. This is especially useful against the Borg since they have a pesky habit of adapting to energy weapons. Unfortunately, this does include almost all of the nanopulse batleths and lerpas from the winter item store. The only exception is the nanopulse mechleth, which does in fact deal physical damage. Is this the best physical damage ground weapon in the game? Probably not, but sometimes you just want to slice and dice your way through those Swedish sounding automatons. That brings us to the ground kit modules, which is the Christmas turkey. 
in this holiday spread. For science captains, check out the endothermic induction field modulator. This is arguably one of the best kit modules in the game for science characters. It deals over 300 cold damage with 50% shield penetration, has a chance to stun and expose, and creates a cold patch that deals more cold damage each second with 100% shield penetration. Engineering captains will want to pick up the cryo mine barrier module. If you're already using the chronoton mines, this might be a better option since it also adds a little enemy control in the form of a run speed debuff. Tactical players have a couple of good options. The cryotronic modulation module adds 15% cold damage to your attacks and applies run speed debuffs to your targets. And if you're a fan of grenades, the cryo grenades are definitely a must have. Dealing kinetic damage, cold damage, reducing cold resistance, reducing enemy run speed with a chance to stun, it's the perfect way to start taking on a crowd of baddies. Finally, there are a couple of space items worth picking up. First, if you've been collecting the Breen ships throughout the years, you'll need the Cryoplasma-infused Warp Core or Singularity Core in order to complete the four-piece Breen Absolute Zero set. And for your bridge officers, there's training manuals for the Endothermic Inhibitor Beam. This is a great debuff against your foes, and if you're already skilled in exotic damage, this also does a little bit of radiation damage. Now, to obtain these items, you'll need a good stock of winter components. As we mentioned in episode 392, the best way to acquire these ingredients is to run the special duty officer missions in Q's Winter Wonderland and at your faction's headquarters. You also can run the winter events, which are a lot of fun. One thing to note is that you only need to acquire the special winter components during the vent. As long as your character has run the initial Winter Wonderland Reputation Project, you've unlocked the Winter Prize Vendor, and you'll have access to it from the Event Reputation tab. One thing I do want to point out is a quality of life issue uh, with the UI and the purchasing of items. When you go to purchase a weapon like a Nanopulse Batleth or whatnot, if you've already purchased it, the item is grayed out, preventing you from buying it again. However, that's not the case with modules. Modules cannot be sold back to the vendor. So what had happened to me was that we were online, we were talking about some of these items, and either you or Jake strongly advised that I get the cryo grenade if I didn't have it. Well, it turns out I had it, and so I bought it again accidentally, unable to do anything with it. You can't load it onto bridge officers, you can't trade them, so now I have a spare grenade and I can't sell it back. So double check your inventory so you don't waste those resources, and that's a quality of life thing that I hope that uh, Stowe can fix for next year. Yeah, I, I definitely don't disagree. I did notice, too, that that it's hard to... Like, a lot of people didn't realize that you could access the winter store or even the summer event store outside of those events through the reputation system. It's it's really not in a obvious location. So be sure to go to your event reputation tab uh, at the very bottom underneath the list of projects. There is uh, an info button and a store button. And if you click on the store button, you have access to several of the event stores, assuming that you've unlocked them during that event. So be sure to check that out. And since we're going to be on break for the holidays, we wanted to mention a few upcoming event weekends happening in game. For PC captains, from Thursday, December 27th to the 31st, captains can take advantage of a double XP weekend. There will be a Dilithium weekend from January 3rd through January 7th, and on the weekend of January 10th through the 14th, 
There'll be a Junior Officer Weekend. Console captains can look forward to the same double XP weekend from the 27th to the 31st, and the same Dilithium Weekend from January 3rd to the 7th, and on the weekend of January 10th to the 14th, take advantage of an Item Upgrade Weekend. Well, that's it for this week in gaming news. Now, it's our pleasure to welcome back Star Trek Online lead designer Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for our year in review discussion. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, joining us for our last episode of 2018 is Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Al, thanks so much for stopping by before the new year. Well, but dub dub dub. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Holidays. Good to be here. Thank you. Th- Yes, thank you. Thank you so very much. So, you know, we, we wanted to bring you on because, um, you know, as we move into 2019, it's it's good to take a step back and, and review the successes of Star Trek Online uh, in 2018. Um, let's go over that a little bit. What, you know, what are you most proud of in 2018? What, you know, what was released? What, what, what have players been excited about? It's, uh, it's sometimes, it's sometimes hard to reflect because so much happens that I can only remember like maybe three months back. (laughs) Um, but uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, where we started and, and, and and where we ended up. I I think the, the big highlight of the year was, was X4 and wrangling, I don't know, 11 of the cast members or so, bring them together for a story that we were really, really proud of, really excited about, and was really well received. So um, that was definitely huge, a huge highlight for the game. But uh, you know, on a personal highlight, I would have to say that STLB was was like a was pretty epic highlight of the year. Getting a chance to be on stage with some of those DS9 actors, and then and then you and I getting to be on stage in a very surreal panel with Mary Wiseman and Rekha Sharma. So mm-hmm. Rekha Sharma, that was uh, that was really amazing, right? And and put it, pulling pulling that together going into Age of Discovery and uh, getting a chance to go to, down to L.A. to CBS to work with the writers, to work with Alex Kurtzman and Kirsten Beyer and, and John Van Sitters and, uh, and start putting together our side of the Discovery story bringing in Mary to talk and and as a matter of fact we're, we're, we're chatting with her again now right now to bring her back uh, soon for uh, the next Mary Wiseman installment so that's an honor that I never take for granted to be able to have those opportunities I'm very yeah. grateful for that but that's a little more personal we had a really really good year this year today I wish I could share more numbers but you know for a game that's nine years old we're still we, this was like one of our top years ever wow. so it was really really good and it's not even over yet. In terms of behind the scenes, was this one of your biggest years content-wise as far as the amount of work that you've done and put into the game? Because in terms of X4 and Age of Discovery, and not to mention earlier in the year with the anniversary event, there was a lot of content delivered this this year. And I'm just wondering, behind the scenes, was it as much work as as we kind of think it was? Compared to other years and previous years, you know it's it, it's always it's always busy and and that's that's always a good thing and always, every I, I I reflect and sometimes I I can remember going back and talking to previous seasons or expansions and saying boy that was really hard that was the biggest one and it just it always just seems to be it always just seems to top it but I think that what was really the bigger challenge for X4 was juggling a story uh, and building one 
when we weren't quite sure if we were going to get every actor because it takes sometimes months to negotiate and contact and get the contract signed and you have to have plan B's for all the stories if someone doesn't want to sign. So for instance we weren't able to get Camilla to play the Kai. At that point we were too deep and we just got a sound alike and I never really ever wanted to do that. So you have to you know adjust the story and be prepared and you're kind of working on the fly about what's might going to happen and I think what really added to that pressure too is that we actually were doing that on a pretty aggressive schedule to get that much content done because we were really raising the quality bar and, and I hope that came through. I think people see how much, you know, the, the quality level, the cutscenes and this, the gameplay quality with Parks Loki 7 and Tenebra's Torquent really raised the quality level uh, for the game. So that was just a lot more work. Normally we build an episode in like six weeks. I think Quark's Lucky 7 took like 12 or 18 weeks and Tenebra's Torquent wow. took nine or 12. So I mean, just on a design side, that's not even considering animation. So we were spending a lot more time on it. And then coming right out of X4, the opportunity for discovery was just there. We couldn't ignore it. I mean, we've, we've planned our stories years ahead of time, and our story was not planned originally to go into Discovery. We were going to go someplace else, and a place that we hope to come, come back to again in the future. But Discovery came along, and these opportunities to work with the writers and to work with CBS closely came up, and we had to take advantage of that. And that meant basically building another expansion right after the X4 expansion, the Space Nine expansion, expansion that is a whole other era that requires a ton of new art, a new tutorial, and, and how were we going to do all that effectively in three months. You know, normally we take six, six to nine months to build an expansion, so we were going to do it in three months, and we couldn't. We just we couldn't build an expansion in that short amount of time. So that's why our plan, our message is that we're building Age of Discovery as an expansion over time, over multiple seasons, um, to deliver the complete experience. So we, we realized we couldn't do that, but we still had a, a tremendous uh, amount of work that we had to get through when the team was already pretty burnt out from X4. They were they were tired and was like, okay, we're going to do it again. So we're just kind of now getting to recover from that and get into a little bit of state of normalcy. So yeah, I would say the later half of 2018 was, was huge. I mean, if you to think about Everything you have to do for Discovery, you got to do all new costumes, all new Klingons, all new ships, all new weapons, all new hypo sprays, all new icons, all new UI, everything. It was basically like just as much work as when we did Agents of Yesterday, the TOS, the TOS expansion. That's a lot of work. And all of those things mean new powers and new critters and new data for designers, new environments for the, for the environment artists, new ships for the ship artists, new icons for the, U, for the UI team, new animations for the animators. That was a lot of work. So... That was uh, that was the big challenge, and and totally worth it in every way. It was totally worth it. So uh, very proud of the, uh, the team, and very proud of what we did. And uh, we're heading into a well-deserved respite this holiday season. <laughs> I would like to say, in terms of the spacing of the Age of Discovery content, uh, releasing it over time, I actually find myself enjoying that a little bit more than having it all drop at once because it keeps me coming back to the game every month, and I find myself playing more uh, because of that. So I, I don't know if that's the plan moving forward, but I, I really do appreciate that uh, release schedule. Well, and I want to add to that that you know w the TFOs were also released this year. Um, um, shortly after um, Star Trek Las Vegas. How has that been in terms of player involvement? Are you seeing much more activity now since the introduction of that new feature? Specifically the random TFO feature? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you can. You know where you can really see it is how much dilithium people are earning right now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, so we can, we can, that's one way to just measure it, you know, as a uh, result 
uh, you know, a symptom, a symptom as opposed to just, just purely reading the amount of time that people are playing, which is clearly significantly up. We're talking, you know, play times are up, engagement and TFOs are really, really up, and dilithium earning is really, really up. So it certainly increased my play time. I certainly got much more interested and much more engaged. And um, on the back end, what it also did was expose you know, for instance, there's some TFOs that says, well, you know, this was not where we wanted to be. And I hadn't really thought about it because I hadn't played it in years. And so now we're dedicating time to um, to improve those. So that's that's a, another side benefit. And um, so, yeah, that the engagement there was was huge. I would say that if depending on how you're measuring it, you know, dilithium earned, marks earned, play sessions, play times, generally all across the board about double. Near, nearly double. Wow. Yeah. Actually, speaking of, um, like you mentioned now, revisiting potential older TFOs, things that you hadn't played in years. You know, you guys have, uh, now have a new executive producer. From your perspective, and or rather, from our perspective, it seems that every executive producer tends to leave their mark in stow in some way, in, one, in some specific way. I think back, uh, for instance, with uh, Steven D'Angelo, who was uh, very quality of life oriented, you know, improving, improving the way the players actually interact with the game in terms of UI, things like that. What about Andre's approach? Moving into 2019, what type of goals do you want to try to hit? Um, I'll try to leave some of the specifics to him when you get when you get to chat with him. But from my perspective, what uh, what I see with Andre is Andre's very insightful. He was able to absorb the game in a very short amount of time and understanding its highlights and its shortcomings and what's uh, what we want to leverage and what we want to you know what we want to change um i think that some of the things that you'll um, that you'll see that ha- that you've seen that has his fingerprints are things like updating the the, the journal right making sure that that early play experience because uh, and focusing on acquisitions for instance you know a new brand new starting experience with a streamlined journal that highlights the best of what we have get people into the good content early and get people to seeing celebrities early cutting the chaff coming back you know and making sure that it's high and not getting it back in until it's higher quality random tfos was uh, uh, in general was a large uh, um, push by him we had always talked about how we can improve tfos and his his leadership is you know brought us to that uh, as well as some other features that are coming soon to TFOs. Uh, the other one that you'll see is um, more monthly style events, like we just saw at Battle of Binary Stars, turning turning the release of a TFO into a into an event to improve player engagement. A little bit what you're saying, Anthony, that now you want to keep coming back every month because that's that's our you'll see this you know the calendar that every month we've got something coming right. So you get discovery and then and then the next month you've got battle binary stars and we have the winter event then we'll have the anniversary event and then we'll have another event which we haven't announced and then another event which we haven't announced and then season 17 after that right and i think some of that comes from his experience in mobile right and, and how do you keep players engaged uh, constantly with events and and um, wanting them to come back to play and so keeping it fresh keeping making sure the the new player experience is clean and getting people getting people to the good stuff quickly at the same time always keeping people retained by having interesting things happening every month so that probably is from my perspective um, what Andre uh, has added and is adding to the game it seems like one thing that you guys really strive at is evolving with the times and and investing in the areas of the game that only go to improving the player engagement like you said and i think that that's that's one area that you guys do really well in that you're not you're not stagnant you're always trying to find new ways of of getting you know the new players invested quickly yeah thank you it's really hard it's very challenging um i think uh some of it has been 
brilliance and some of it has been sheer luck. Um, it's you, you don't really know what's what's going to work and you just, you know, you try your best and you just try to change as quickly as possible when something doesn't work and, and, and move to something something that does. I mean, Star Trek, as I mentioned, we're coming up on nine years now. Nine years and it's not like in its sunset. It is one of the top years we've ever had. It's, it's amazing. So, um, we see no sign of slowing down with Star Trek Online, and that's just a tribute to the team and to the leadership, and 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 to the fans that the love that the, the love that the fans have for the franchise. So you, you know, you when you've spoken about preparing for Age of Discovery and how it's a, it's a, an ex- expansion that's going to be prolonged and be released over time, you get the sense that there was some. Ur- not urgency, but pressure, time crunch, in order to release and collaborate not just with the not just the team and organize the team, but also collaborating with uh, the Discovery team themselves. Is that pressure kind of gone now? Are you are you going into 2019 and planning for stories that that relate to Discovery with a, a little less pressure, a little less uh, time crunch, so to speak? Well, I mean, the time crunch that was painful was having to develop, you know, a base. Of discovery for the game, getting all the ships and the assets and and a tutorial, a starting experience. That amount of work and that amount of time was really the crunch and, and the pain coming out of that after generally just a team exhaustion after X4. So that initial pressure is gone for now until, you know, of course, until CBS releases a Picard series or an animated series or whatever series that we might want to leverage. I don't know what that might mean. I don't know what that means a Picard starting experience or an animated series starting experience. I have no idea. So so those opportunities, you know, will, will turn up. And I'm really excited about that, that they're investing so much in Star Trek because that just means more options, more opportunities, more, more starships, more assets, more stories to leverage. So that's really exciting. Um, you know, and we get little insights. We don't get big details, but we get general details and, and, and a little behind the scenes about timelines and certain story elements, but not as much as everyone might think, but uh, more than I can share. What's challenging, though, is just keeping up with that pace. You know, we've got season two of Discovery coming out in a month. We have some general ideas and some, we have actually know quite a bit about what's going on with Discovery, not everything. Um, you know, we. You, the you, Red Angels uh, are the Iconians, isn't it? It's Taket. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? The, uh, like, you got to see one of the ships, right, in the trailer that just came out, right? So we, we've gotten that asset ahead of time. So, we, so we, we, that, that kind of thing. We, we, we know some of the storylines and some, and some of the assets we get art early. But we don't have the full picture yet. Frankly, while, when we were getting it, they were still putting it together. What's the challenge for us is being able to adapt quickly to what comes out to time it right. Like if they're gonna have a new ship, we can't release the ship before they do, but we wanna release it as closely as possible to when they do. And that timing is, is challenging. They might kill off a character or introduce a new character or change the allegiance of a particular character. And that makes it harder for us to write a story about that character or that event. Where I'm more used to planning our stories in quite a bit of detail one to two years ahead of time we're having to keep it a lot more loose we have a storyline plan about what we can do this is what we're going to do we have a plan for like the next year this is the actors we want for it this is the stories we want to go to but 
I highly doubt we're going to do that plan. An opportunity is going to come up and says, okay, we're, we're going to adjust that or we're going to push it out. We're going to push it out. But in case nothing's available, we have a plan to go. We're having to plan a lot differently than we're used to. Personally, for me, who's, who's, a, who, who's a bit of a stickler for details and, and planning and organization mm -hmm. and, and uh, trying to think as many steps ahead as possible, it's a little bit anxiety provoking. But it's also extremely exciting to have those opportunities to get a phone call from CBS. Hey, how would you like to do this? And it's, and it's like, yes, that's amazing. So, so it's good and they're bad. But I think the end product is just going to be better. It, when you're in your planning for the upcoming year, have you had to sort of adjust that so that instead of it being bigger story arcs, you've had to sort of break them up into maybe smaller story arcs so that that you don't have to do as much work when, when there is an opportunity to fit some of that content in between what pops up? I, I think you're close. You're, 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 you're touching on something a, a little bit. It's harder to make it a cohesive linear story arc that goes from A, that hands off to B, that hands off to C, where we're having to more do a story arc where, okay, A, and then we're gonna do, okay, this opportunity comes up, so we're gonna do X, and then Y, and then we have to wait, and then we'll come back to B, and so we'll kind of hand off that way. So I think it'll be interesting, but it, instead of the, it's not, I guess you call it tighter, just, just linear story that just is this story, leads to this, this story, this, this. Probably some stories will take a pause, the new one will take on, and we'll come, we'll come on board, and then we'll, we'll continue that later, and, and hopefully they all converge nicely towards the end. I'm hoping it will be better storytelling in the end, but it certainly is new ground for us. So, Al, you mentioned uh, some of the Discovery ships. I, I really want the, the Baran, man. When, when, when can I get the Baran? Well, you, sh you of all people should have a good idea when that might happen, since you were on stage with Rekha Sharma. Oh, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. I thought you wanted the other ship. The... I do want, but now I want the Baran. No, I, you see, yeah, I, he, I, want, he wanted he wanted the the shepherd. I think it's the shepherd. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the shepherd. I told him to just get the walker and turn his monitor upside down. <laughs> How about that one? How about the uh, the uh, the shepherd? Uh, you already asked for the Baran. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Fine. <laughs> um, all all the ships will be eventually be available. Just a yeah. matter of time. Oh. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. And what what canonical ship are not yet in the game? That I know there are um, a few that people keep. Oh, like, there's a lot. Yeah, actually. there are a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not there. that many. There, there's a hand, there's a handful. I mean, it's the well is is drying out as far as the really good ones. So there's the Niagara. There's the uh, New Orleans. There's the Jaeger, the the Voyager, Mackay, uh, Maki, Frankenstein looking is, ship. Is that a canonical ship, or is that just a yeah? That's, that's a, no, that's a canonical ship. Oh, you see, wow. these these sort of things, these kit bashes, you see at like Wolf Three Five Nine or other battles, right. and they're usually kind of broken up and they're hanging around, and so you get a couple really blurry shots of them, and usually usually made out of frisbees and yellow highlighter <laughs> markers or something. So they're just really. <laughs> really low quality, and then people and then people grab on board and make and make more details about them. We technically don't have the original Norway, although we have an Oslo variant. And of course, there are other non-Starfleet vessels that we have don't really have the name. We don't have the Botany Bay. What about the um, Emmett Till? So in the Star Trek Nine Deep Space Nine uh, documentary, um, they had released a, a concept ship for what was going to 
follow up the Defiant. Right. And I think they put is it Ezra, Ezra Dax, Dax in yeah. command of it, which was weird because she's in charge of the command of the Vesta, so I'm not quite sure how that how that works uh, canonically. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that in Star Trek Online, but uh, I'd like to see what, uh, what they do with it first. Cool. We're all one big happy family. So now, looking ahead to 2019, Al, what, what you know, what you, you've teased a little bit. What are you looking forward to most? What's exciting for you, and what can players look forward to? Even even if it's just kind of quality of life stuff that you've looked at from this year. I remember you mentioning, for instance, doing a revamp to the um, reputation system UI because. Golly, that's a lot of clicks for six reputations. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think somebody counted it or something like to do a complete run is 120 something clicks or something. Oh, yeah. So a quality of life improvement to that is coming really, really soon, but not not a complete revamp. A complete revamp is something that uh, I hope to get by the end of the year, by by 2019. A complete revamp of the of the reputation system, a streamline of that. So that that's an important quality of life. Uh, UI is expensive because it involves both engineering and art, sometimes design, depending on. How, uh, how much is going to change in, uh, in how it functions. So it's a lot of resources to, to do it with um, not necessarily a measurable return on investment. You know, it is considered a quality of life, um, which has its, which definitely has a, there's a return there, but it's less measurable. It's not like we're not going to make more money from it, but hopefully people enjoy it and play it more and be less confused and less people leave that kind of, that kind of quality improvement. So they are important to us. I think that you're going to see more, more regular events every month, something happening in Star Trek online, not necessarily every a season, every month, nothing of that magnitude, but every month be, wow, this is interesting. And I want to do this. And this is, and, and this is going to be worth my time to do kind of thing that I'm very excited about. The thing that personally I'm excited about is trying to figure out how can I get as many discovery stars into the game and getting an opportunity to work with them. There's, there's so many of them that, I, that, that I admire and curious about that I want to work with, but I don't always get to do that just because that, because of my personal feelings. It's just, it's the story. Can we make a story that makes sense for those characters? I think you're going to see a lot of other quality of life improvements, like we mentioned for the, uh, for reputation, trying to make the game easier. Re- Remastering of old episodes, remastering of all TFOs, uh, not all of them, of, of many TFOs, trying to make them better. Some of the older TFOs and some of the older episodes, um, trying to bring the, the quality bar of the game up. It's a really big challenge for an MMO. You've got a game now that's nine years old. We have content that's, you know, nine, ten years old that we built a long time ago and content, art assets you know, designs that are old, and then we add to that. And every time, every year, we get better at it and better at it. We get better tools. We, we just get better, more skilled. Maybe get better technology. And then all of a sudden, our old stuff looks terribly dated. It is. Some of the stuff in there is 10 years old. Some of the stuff is a few months old. So it's like, okay, we got to go update that old stuff. And by the time we update all the old stuff, the stuff that was new is old again. <laughs> I, I write it to akin to painting the Golden Gate Bridge. They literally never stop painting the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco because they start painting on one end. And by the time they get to the other end, the paint's already peeling in the beginning and they start all over again. That is a challenge for all MMOs. And as they get bigger, it gets more and more of a challenge. But, you know, we're, we're dedicated to do that and spend some time to always do that. So um, I think you'll see some of that happening in 2019. I think you'll see more coordination with, with, with CBS in 2019. I think you're going to see more, more features for TFOs and more things to help you stay engaged uh, in the game without adding complexity. Don't forget to make reputation rewards salvageable, please. Yes, well, <laughs> those are quality of life things. That, that is just literally a... Um, 
a manual task of getting through all the all of those items manually and, and converting them is just a manual task um, and, and so yeah that that is that is something I, I actually recently had discussion with Jeremy about and it's just trying to find the right time to do that perhaps when we able to uh, do a remaster a, re a revamp of the reputation system that can come along with it would probably make the most sense so we're we're coming up on the anniversary of the game and mm -hmm. there's been some you know some hints as to what that might involve is there anything additionally you can tell us about that upcoming event i don't know what hints did you hear uh well we've we've heard it may include the mary universe and possibly um captain killy well, I mean, we certainly had talked at STLV. You know, we talked about when we went with Mary Wiseman that she would uh, she would be coming back, joining us as uh, as Captain Killy. That's probably more than I should say, but but it's already been said, so it's not really a spoiler. So we'll we'll be seeing that. The anniversary will be um, bigger than typical anniversaries. It's base. It's we're actually I think we're going to be calling the anniversary season sixteen. It's just basically a full season. It's not just so. So in addition oh, wow. to the anniversary that events, thing, huh? it's a, it's um, a effectively a full season. It's hearty, and uh, there's more than one episode. I'll say that, I'll say, and I'll shut up. Nice. <laughs> well, Al, I want to thank you for stopping by again. Is there anything that uh, you'd like to discuss uh, th that uh, we might have upset you listening to the show in the last few weeks? <laughs> You I always upset ask me. This. I always You're ask. You're joy. It's it's the joy of my Mondays. It is so because I get to I get to listen to my friends on uh, on the radio every Monday morning uh, going to work, and I get to listen to all the problems in Star Trek Online. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess I better fix that. No, <laughs> no, but it's great. It's great. I love to. I I, I love the insight. I love I, I love hearing what you what what you what you find and what the community finds that they like or don't like and. It's uh, it's generally an uplifting part of my day, so I'm grateful for it. I mentioned to Elio, I, I don't know if he told you that Anthony about the ship that uh, that cuts the uh, admiral ship in half in the Battle of Binary Stars that you never saw it before. Um, it's that uh, it's it's actually just called the Cleave ship, the Klingon Cleave ship, and um, you'll see it in um, Starbase One TFO. It's a it's a Kling it's a battleship, so you'll see it in there. Um, oh, okay, there's, there's, great. But you see, there's a there's a plot hole there because under what we understood was that Takuvma and the sarcophagus ship was the sh that was the only ship with like if you read the comics too, it's the only ship that had cloaking. So all Apparently of a sudden, not. this cleave ship <laughs> decloaks, and you're like, Wait, sorry, no, I was yeah. just gonna say he it it never it never like to begin with it's the only ship, but he he basically says he's the only one with cloaking technology. And yeah, if that's another one of his ships in his armada, then then that could conceivably have cloak as well. Uh, technically, more than conceivably, they they, they did it right. <laughs> so I, it, 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 it's it's it was weird how they handled it because because you're right, it's a little it's a little confusing when you first watch it. Says what was that, and you don't really get a good shot. You don't really see what the ship is and what exactly what happens until you watch it maybe a couple other times and understand what's going on. But yeah, it's a it's a ship that's like a giant space batleth. It's just kind of giant, <laughs> you, you know, like space, space leth. <laughs> Yeah, it's got this giant blade on the bottom. If you do a, if you do a Google search for the cleave ship, you'll see you'll see pictures of it. You'll also see weird concepts of what it's not. So there's a couple different variants uh, online, and it's and so it's it's in our game. It's uh, you'll see it, and um, it doesn't yet cut other ships in half, but we're, we're we're working on on having it you know ram into other ships and chop them up. It won't actually chop them up, but do some damage. Probably by, uh, whenever we we make that available for for players 
will have the functionality for it to, to do some sort of ramming and, and chopping. There's a lot of Klingon ships. We've, we've got a good amount of them, but not all of them. Some of them are just very, very similar, just variants of each other. Uh, speaking of that, will, will we see any of the Discovery-era Klingon ships uh, besides, besides the sarcophagus ship be available to play, uh, for players to use? Yes, yes, that, that, will, that will certainly happen. I won't say when or, or how, but um, it's already in the pipeline. How's the winter event going? I, it's going strong. It's going as expected. I, I, I think there's a huge amount of desire for the Metallica ship. Um. <laughs> I call it the ACDC ship because that's the... Is it? Well, I, all I can imagine is, is running through space, blaring license to... Th- or what is it? Uh, shoot to thrill as I'm speeding around the galaxy in that thing. Yeah, I, I think of what's that old uh, adult sim cartoon. Was it Metalocalypse or something? Was it? That's what I think of when I see the ship. Or something like Guar or something like that. <laughs> this is I'll be honest with you, this is the first winter ship that I like desire and will plan on yeah. using. Yeah. It's crazy. It's got fire. It's, it's, it's <laughs> such a great man, I, you, you, you guys that ship is amazing. I really like the look of that ship. All right, Al. Well, again, I want to thank you so very much for stopping by on our last episode here of 2018. I'm looking forward to celebrating our 400th with you in February when we will be on site. Uh, has that has, has that been officially announced, or is this, yeah, yeah, is this yeah, the yeah. official announcement announced. of that? No, we've, we've already that. talked about it, and we're looking forward to it. No, it'll be great to great to have you. Every time the team comes out, it's uh, we have a lot of fun. So I uh, hope to uh, look forward to to seeing y'all. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate, or just have a great winter solstice. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me, and I will be seeing you and talking to you all very, very soon. Thank you, Al. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 393's first community question was, do you think that the Star Trek TV expanded universe will help the acceptance of the Kelvin timeline films by Star Trek fans? From Twitter, Jason Smith writes in, who knows if TV will help expand the universe of the Kelvin timeline? Do it well, and it may. But Star Trek Online has so far been doing a good job at filling the gaps in TV series and films. So this makes a point, actually, that, um, so what I was trying to get at last week uh, was just that as we diversify what's going on on TV, the, it, the, the Kelvin timeline makes more sense. So, and Star Trek Online has done this. The Kelvin timeline is in Star Trek Online. And it's another adventure that you go on and it's kind of accepted as a piece of what's happening. And honestly, if I was um, Alex Kurtzman right now, I would be thinking about, do we make another Star Trek series that is in a different other universe, other timeline. And the reason for that is one day when Star Trek is reunited, does it actually stand us in good stead to have the TV series be a little more diversified? And that's a really good example, Jason, where Star Trek Online has successfully done that. And everyone accepts it as, you know, it's it's another story. It's another episode. It's another piece of the mix that is the Star Trek universe. Do not split the Star Trek universe into a multiverse. It already Please, God, is. No. Because I know that, but it's it's one multiverse, right? No, Arguably, it's, not. it's one no, multiverse. Arguably, I mean, unless you want to do the mirror universe, then it's three, yeah, right? Arguably, canonically, canonically, three mirror universe, three three universes. Yesterday's Enterprise as well. It's a totally different. 
Mm, not to mention no, that we're because with all no the enterprise, enterprises. C, no enterprise, it's C's, already been done. enterprise C is temporal mechanic. Enterprise C is temporal mechanics. Don't do what DC has done with the comics, please, God Almighty, don't do it. I, I just don't. The Kelvin timeline films are really good. I would love for them to be an aspect. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go call Alex Kurtzman, and I'm gonna make it happen. From Facebook, Carlos Perez writes, Do I think that the Star Trek TV expanded universe will help the acceptance of the Kelvin timeline by Star Trek fans? No. The only thing that will do that seems to be time. Time and lots of alcohol. Lots of alcohol. No one ever thought that the odd number original series films would ever be accepted by a majority of fans. At almost 30 years and times change. Or maybe it's because there are now other things to despise in the Star Trek universe. Even Voyager and Enterprise are now looked on with affection. Time heals all. Ask me how I feel about Priority One in 30 years, winky face. <laughs> I love Yikes. that he thinks of Priority One in 30 years. I oh, Eliza, we'll be here in 30 years. We will still be arguing so. over random... So. Yeah. Via email, Rebecca Skipper says... Give it time. Star Trek has a way of making a comeback, i.e. the popularity of the original series in syndication. The Next Generation and the original series are my favorites, followed by Enterprise. However, I'll practice Idic and hope more fans will do the same. I prefer the prime timeline, but any movie or show that keeps Star Trek alive should be appreciated. Yeah, Elijah. Oh, that, that last bit was not from Rebecca Skipper. That was from me. I added that bit on. <laughs> But look, Rebecca says I prefer the prime timeline. Yeah, which I think most people um, do. Look, I, I yeah, I, look, I'm not saying that. I just want to say that I I don't not want Star Trek. It's not what I'm saying. I want Star Trek. I just don't understand why we need to use this multiverse crutch. Like, we, why do we need to do that? We don't. We don't. We can stay in the same universe and tell amazing stories. From Facebook, Ed O'Connell writes, If the TV universe continues along the prime timeline as Discovery and Picard are set in, I think they might just be distancing themselves from the Kelvinverse. There simply is no support for it to bolster the fandom. Mind you, Discovery has had just as loud a negative draw from certain fans by changing canon, but it's not the same as Star Trek 09 received. If anything, the Kelvinverse has allowed Discovery to be set aside as Discoveryverse, yet another timeline that leaves TOS intact. Um, I will politely disagree. I think Discovery will eventually fit into canon. I mean, aesthetically, it's different, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, but I think that, especially after this season, we're going to see how it fits into canon better. As far as the multiverse argument, I'm going to have to say that I... I like the idea that there's only two narratives to follow. Like, there's only two universes to follow. There's the TV universe, which is the prime timeline, and there's the movie universe, which is the Kelvin timeline. And until the reunification, that's how it's going to be. And I'm okay with that because the, the, the Kelvin universe allows us to see Star Trek through a slightly different lens, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Our second community question was last week, what tardigrade did the adoption agency pair you with? Now, we did have one response from Sean Newboy, who said that he got the nerdy tardigrade with the glasses. What did you get, Elijah? Before I do that, I have to take issue with the way you're pronouncing tardigrade. Tardigrade. 
You're saying tardigrade. Yeah. Hey. Because he's late to everything. Have you seen him? Look at him. <laughs> late to everything. But I did, in fact, do the tardigrade uh, adoption, and I'm trying to find out which one I received. It was like this, not the party. It was definitely wasn't the party one. I think it was like the lieutenant. Oh, was it the one in the uniform? Yeah. Yes, the lieutenant yeah, yeah, tardigrade. Yeah, it was a lieutenant. But, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a nice little touch. Um, at one point, I saw there was some kind of, like, harumph over privacy policies and what is PWE doing with with the emails. You know what, guys? Just Don't enjoy you, it. Just have fun just with it. Just enjoy it. it. You Relax. Know, like, use, Let use the robot overlords take over for yes, you. Then you won't yes. have to Google think already has, at all. Well, don't you need an email you know, address well, to have a, a Star Trek Online account anyway? Like, what's the yes, big deal? I yes, didn't understand yeah. that. And, and, and if you're concerned about your email, then use a spam email account. And finally this week, we had an impromptu and totally unofficial community question. What are your thoughts on Discovery Season 2's newest trailers? From Facebook, Apostolos writes, Time to make STO Iconians canon. Maybe an opportunity to make a favorable nod to Star Trek Horizon fan film. Ooh. That's, it's been a while since I've seen Star Trek Horizon. That is a good one. If you have not seen that, I highly recommend going to see it. Can you remind me what that it, one yeah. is? So it's, it's the Iconians are the, the ones being attacked. Mm-hmm. But they're humanoid. They're not Star Trek Online, you know, alien. Yeah, yeah no, they're, sli- they're slightly different. They were done. I think he started producing it before um, the Iconian storyline came out in Star Trek Online. The reason that I uh, that I highly recommend going to see it is that we actually we actually interviewed Tommy Kraft. He's the producer and director and the everythinger on um, Star Trek Horizon. And basically, it's more or less. This was a more or less a one man production. Now he hired actors in. Um, and he had some help doing some of the graphics, but um, on the whole, he did the entire feature-length production, and it's really, really cool and inspiring to watch. Um, it, it kind of highlights what fan films can be if you are somebody who has a desire to tell a story and the drive to learn how to do it in the medium of your choice. So I'd highly recommend going and checking that out. It's on YouTube. And I got to give a shout out to Tommy Kraft. He's the one who made my Star Trek Online 3D printed pips. Who is he? Yeah, no, yeah. this dude is yeah, like he like he's yeah, he's cool. He's, he's, he's a cool, cool guy. From Facebook, Roger Means says, "I don't care what anyone says. I've enjoyed the first season, and this one looks great as well. It's not the original series or the next generation, but it was good enough to keep me glued." Well, that wraps up episode 394 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Mission Log Live, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. Captains, it's the end of the year and our last episode for 2018. So we need to take a moment to thank our admirals, our patrons, who throughout the year have supported Priority One to make sure that we can continue to produce the content that you've come to expect every Friday. Diana Gunther, Peter Archibald, Starkicker, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Jim DeVico, and Navy Boats Lou. We want to thank these patrons for their generous contributions throughout 2018, and of course, all of our other patrons, because every dollar counts. So thank you so very much for making sure that Priority One can continue to produce our shows each and every week. Because without you, 
none of this would be possible. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse, and hopefully we stick to just three. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And don't forget, we're going on holiday. So we'll be back on Tuesday, January 8th for episode 395. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. On Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. And if you'd like to join the Armada, just visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Speaking of the Armada, they're going to play a big part in our Extra Life 12-hour campaign to raise funds for Philadelphia Children's Hospital. Be sure to mark your calendars February 16th, because we'll be playing Star Trek Online Bridge Crew, Star Trek Adventures, the tabletop game, and have special guests. Remember, mark your calendars, February 16th. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help us spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, James Golding, Rand Hurl and Daniel Stevens. And of course, old friend of the show, Skiffy. Skiffy! Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the writing of our show and social media endeavors, including Title It Thursday and Awesome Survey Sundays. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, Captains. For our last episode of 2018, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, our friends, and our supporters. Because without your ongoing support, we wouldn't be nearing episode 400 in 2019. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Su no! Engage!
Transfer complete. Oh, maybe you should maybe you should try to do some articulation exercises before you try to deliver a joke. Sorry, my beard is molting. <clears throat> the, can you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Oh my god. Right, uh, you better you, you better scrooge them. <laughs> hey, got, hey, can you can you guys just not sing? Just stop. Thank you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, whatever. Happy Hanukkah. <clears throat> okay, where was I? Why didn't you just tell him you were recording? <laughs> I don't know. It's more fun to yell. <laughs> Plus, um, it ensures this makes the blooper real. From Facebook, Ed O'Connell writes, If the Star Trek universe continues along the prime timeline as Discovery and Picard are set in, I think they might just be... D- bloop, bloop. Sorry, I was replying to <laughs> Carlos. I'm, I'm trying to do a show here. Really? Like... Is this bloop, bloop. is this gonna be a regular thing now? Bloop 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 bloop. The the grand reuniting of the films and the. <laughs> it's is the word you're looking yeah. for. Yes, the, the word I'm looking for is indeed reunification. Thank you, Anthony. Bloop bloop. Damn it, Canna! Don't you understand that the mo- how many? Where are we now? Are, there's a crossover with the Green Lantern. Wait, what what did Thanos do to the Klingon Empire? Bloop, bloop. How can you not know how to pronounce Navy Boats Lou? How can you this not is how, know? This is how. how? This is how. This. 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 <laughs> Navy Boat Lou. Oh, Jesus. Navy Boat Lou. Navy Boat Lou. <laughs> Navy's Boat Lou. <laughs> Navy's Boat Lou. Yes. Yes. It goes into the Navy's bidet boat theme. Do you think his Boat Lou has a bidet? <laughs> Bloop, bloop. forward to to seeing y'all um and uh, elijah said we're all staying at your house <laughs> yes you can all stay in my house he said sure. all all you of could, us uh, uh all of you kenna her kids elijah me uh, everybody everybody's gonna be at your house Every, everybody everybody yeah. yes it's gonna be it's we're just have one big pajama party <laughs> <laughs> no 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 we should do a deep space nine marathon because <laughs> Elijah loves, and then followed up with a with a Discovery season one marathon because Elijah and kind of love love those episodes. You know what? Um, it's a good thing I got trip insurance. Travel <laughs> <laughs> insurance. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope to see you all in the footy pajamas then. Nice. I will bring. I'll them. bring my onesie. Bloop bloop. Podcast. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.